Welcome into episode 75 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I am happy to be joined once again for your all's favorite, a pregame show, Kentucky versus Florida. I'm joined by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how are you? Jack, I'm great today. It's uh, it's a Saturday full of opportunity. Kentucky has an opportunity on the road today, and I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about over the next half hour. Absolutely. So Sean is currently driving to the gym. He's actually coaching a big day, a big game today for his middle school basketball team. So get send some positive vibes his way when you're listening to this. Um, he's he's gonna add to his already impressive coaching resume. But before he can do that, he wanted to jump on and break down all things Kentucky versus Florida. Kind of uh, you know break down all of this positive momentum that UK currently has with the 2-0 and start to SEC play. And what we're going to start the show with, the return of Keon Brooks Jr. after a long, just question after question, just this mystery calf injury. Uh, there were, I believe the reports first came out early October that he had suffered some sort of injury uh, in the calf, but they, at the time they kind of said, no big deal, don't stress about it. Um, and then just kind of days turned into weeks, turned into months, and here we are in early January, and we finally get word that Keon Brooks has been medically cleared uh, by the team doctors, and he is going to take the floor today against Florida. Sean, what were your immediate reactions when you heard of Keon's official return? Surprised, honestly. I think that's this is something that you and I had talked about earlier this week that you know I had noticed at Mississippi State that he was jumping around and celebrating more than he had been at any point this year, which told me that I thought he was getting close, but then you're getting into that part of the year, Jack, where if he hadn't made a return this week, maybe next week or the week after, it, it would have been hard to kind of work him back into this thing uh, right before postseason play begins. So I think that I'm surprised, honestly, uh, but it's huge for Kentucky. It's huge because it's been 10 months since he stepped on the floor. The only experienced guy who has played in the Kentucky jersey going up to this year, uh, now he takes the floor, ironically enough, in a place where he kind of got things figured out. 10 months ago. I, I think that that's, that's a cool little storyline that's kind of tucked away in this. I will preach patience, though. I don't think that you're going to see him play a ton of minutes. But two to three weeks from now, I think Keon will be a huge piece to this roster and uh, what Kentucky is going to do moving into February and March. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and let me say, yesterday, Jay Lucas, UK assistant coach Jay Lucas, spoke to the media and, you know, the, you know, several media media members asked, "What are the expectations for Keon right now?" Because this is a kid that hasn't played competitively at all this season. He hasn't had a contact practice since like the first week of October. So we're talking months and months of this kid being out, missing those real life game reps, even you know five on fives, high level competitive basketball in practice. So understandably so, Jay Lucas kind of tempered expectations for at least the immediate future. Uh, they asked about what, you know, what they were kind of expecting going down to Gainesville, and, and Jay Lucas said, we're kind of just wait and see. 
he had a good practice yesterday, which was Wednesday uh, at this, or I guess Thursday at this point. And it's hard because he hasn't ha- necessarily been practicing. He's just been doing conditioning, and he's been he's going right into Florida, um, which might have been his last game ten months ago. Um, he's doing good. He's been done a good job doing what he's been able to do while he's had restrictions. He's done conditioning and he's done individual workouts and stuff like that. But it's different when it's five on five and in a game. Um, and then said something specifically like, um, we're, we think it's going to take a while. Our expectations aren't very high right now. So the staff right now is not expecting Keon to go in there and just, you know, magically go 20 and 10 and just take the game over and, and just kind of build it right off, right where he left off against Florida last year. But Sean, I think it has more to do with his on-court presence as a leader. You know, Cal has been hyping up over and over again about how how much he's appreciated Keon's veteran leadership on the sidelines and in practice as just kind of that, hey, I'll be that shoulder to lean on for you guys. Just kind of let me be that vet presence that you guys need, especially for this young young group. But there's a there's a pretty significant difference than, you know, a, a cheerleader on the sideline saying, go get them, guys, let's do this, versus an on-court coach almost that can kind of direct traffic, almost like that same what Tyler Eulis was able to do his sophomore year at Kentucky. And, and obviously star point guard versus, you know, stretch forward, big big position difference. But you, you get what I'm saying. Just that, that, that on-court veteran presence is going to be such a crucial help for, for Kentucky, I believe. Absolutely. Uh, and two, I will I'll also note this. This wouldn't this isn't an easy thing to do to work someone into a team that has you know pretty much been playing the entire roster besides Keon Brooks and Terrence Clark with an injury right now as well. Uh, so a lot of guys are playing. There's a lot of roles that are already kind of being, you know, identified and, and kind of carved out. So being Keon Brooks, Jack, a guy who we know is willing to do whatever it takes for this team to succeed. That was the quote that Cal Perry put out in the press release Thursday night that, you know, Keon is ready and willing to do whatever it is, whatever that role may be. Uh, you couldn't ask for a better mindset and a better kid coming off an injury into a team who's already played nine games. He's not going to force anything. I think is what I'm trying to say. He's going to settle into his role. And honestly, you know, his role may be different, Jack, than what we thought it would be going into this season, given that they're nine games in and we've kind of already carved out who some leaders are right now. But that's not to say that three or four weeks from now that Keon Brooks won't be like maybe possibly the most important piece of this team if he gets healthy and is able to do that leap and that jump that we all expected to come from freshman to sophomore year. But right now, uh, you couldn't probably you probably couldn't ask for a better kid with a better mindset coming off an injury than Keon Brooks that like this, this could actually be a disaster situation for some teams where you have a guy come back in and kind of try to force their way back into a leadership role. But we already know that Keon's a kid who's willing to do anything for this Kentucky basketball program to move forward. And kind of on that note, it, it, it's pretty amazing just thinking of the scenario, how Keon's absence has thrust Jacob Toppin and Lance Ware into the lineup And we've gotten growth and production out of those two that we never imagined that we would get this year for Kentucky. Not like not even not even by the end of the year, not even by March Madness, not like none of it. We didn't think that we were going to get the the level of minutes and production out of Jacob Toppin and Lance Ware at all. And 
you know, and I, I'm like you said, I'm I'm very interested to see that that new dynamic of Keon understanding that those are valuable pieces on this roster. He's not going to be replacing those pieces. He's going to be complementing them. And I think that's that's something that excites Cal so much that that it's it's not like just because Keon's in the lineup, he it's okay now. Jacob Toppin's not going to get any minutes anymore, or Lance Ware. It's 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 an additional piece that will. That, I mean, I, I don't want to get get too ramped up over a guy. I mean, he averaged what five six points and four rebounds or something like that last year. I mean, this is but I mean by the end of the year he was gaining confidence and looking like a guy that could take a significant step he, forward. But it's. It's it's almost like his presence. It's a deeper presence and more valuable presence than just his his points and rebounds. It is, and I think it's because of how he's going to impact what they do offensively. Uh, he's going to space the floor with his skill set at that four position. Uh, you can play him at the three. I think that's going to be honestly that's the most intriguing thing about all this that we've kind of talked about in recent weeks is what does this thing look like for the future? And, you know, we've talked a lot about who's who could possibly back on this roster next year, Jack, and maybe the year after that. And Keon's a name now that I, I think we're all kind of confident that he'll be at Kentucky again next year, given the injury, the slow start to the season. Now it's going to be mid-January, probably late January, before he really gets into a groove. And then Jacob Toppin. You've got two pieces there who can play 3-4. Uh, the versatility with those two guys, it, it allows those two to get on the floor and it doesn't really take away anything that you're doing or someone's minutes at that spot because you can slide pieces around. I think we're going to look back on this thing in late February and March. And I've been saying this for weeks now on this show that in Kentucky struggles, there was some beauty to it. And the beauty to it was that Don, we, we figured out that Dante Allen can contribute. And that, that was kind of a big deal that he, the, what he does, the Kentucky offensively, no one else on this roster can do. We've also learned that Jacob Toppin, Lance Ware can also contribute. So adding Terrence Clark at some point, whenever he's healthy and now Keon Brooks, who's healthy, but when these guys get back to their full strength, imagine the options that John Calipari has. I think in past years, Jack, the one thing that always hurts is when it gets to the NCAA tournament. And, yes, we're talking NCAA tournament because I think that with Kentucky's recent surge here, two straight wins, we at least can, can start talking about that this is a possibly a tournament team if they continue to trend in that direction. So I think the thing that's hurt in the past is Cal will get into postseason play, and we saw this a couple of years ago. E.J. Montgomery and all those guys were rotation guys for 35, 36 games. And it got down to game 37, and they weren't rotation guys. They played one minute. EJ played a couple minutes against Auburn. Nick played a minute. Jamal Baker didn't play in that game. If anything, I think that this has shown Cal. And this goes back to, you know, Cal's stubborn. Yeah. But I think this has showed some growth for Cal. He's had to play every single guy on this roster. And that's another thing. It's The role players are going to have their ups and downs. One night, it's going to be Lance Ware at Mississippi State grabbing 13 rebounds. The next game, it's going to be Jacob Toppin getting those minutes down the stretch. Today, it might be uh, Devin Askew who gets the, who makes the plays down the stretch for Kentucky. I think that that's a good thing more than it is a bad thing because Kentucky, I think Cal's going to have get to a point to where he feels pretty comfortable that he's got eight, nine, ten guys that aren't stars, but they could be the difference in you winning a game or losing a game down the stretch of the season. And it could be somebody different every single night. I think that's what Keon Brooks kind of adds to this roster. 
the injury, I think, it, not to say that the injury helped, but what it did is it forced other guys into roles that probably wouldn't have got opportunities this year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and kind of going back to you mentioned Dante Allen, kind of how he's changed the game, and, and you, you kind of touched on this as well, but Keon's addition as that small ball four, um, you know, Cal, Cal mentioned several times that the the Isaiah Jackson, Olivier Saar front court right now just isn't working in terms of clo- – it's, it's just kind of clogging the lane, and that's why he's been experimenting with Lance Ware a little bit just to, just to try something different down low because it, there's just not enough space being created. Um, we saw what happened when Dante Allen was inserted into the lineup, just kind of how it spread the floor just a little bit more. Uh, now imagine what that's going to do with Keon Brooks in a lineup – just as that small ball four, I think we're going to truly get a four out, one in type style. And I mean, we shoot. You will. We, we, I mean, we've seen Olivier Sard knock down some threes. I mean, Cal might be comfortable enough running at least a little bit of five out. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking that Cal is going to start doing some of that to, you know, just doing whatever it takes to spread the floor out just a little bit more because of BJ Boston's struggles. And I don't want to, I don't, yeah, I, don't I don't want to, you know, put, what, too much pressure on him right now, but we are in make or break time right now for for BJ Boston, and I have a feeling that Cal knows that. You know, with the the booze last last week against, or I guess earlier this week against Vandy, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about some of those comments and and what you know Cal's response after that. But there's something wrong with BJ Boston and his confidence right now. We we mentioned that. Uh, Cal, Cal mentioned that, that BJ's staying at his house right now and that they're kind of hanging out with one another a little bit closer just to try to build that relationship and keep you know build some level of confidence and, and consistency with him. I have a feeling that Cal is going to go out of his way today to make BJ Boston comfortable. And he is at his most comfortable when he's going downhill has some has some space to create a shot. I think some of his biggest struggles have been he's you know trying to over dribble, trying to create some space. He's not getting anywhere because the lane's clogged and the 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 front court pieces are are kind of swarming him, and he has to settle for a bad shot. If things are spread out a little bit more, he's going to have open driving lanes, and he's going to be able to finish at the rim and just see that basket go through the hoop, which I think is what he desperately needs right now. Am I crazy to think that Keon's addition, along with Dante's ability to spread the floor out a little bit, will kind of add a little bit, make make life a little bit easier for BJ Boston? You're not. I think that you're spot on with that, but I'll also say that BJ Boston has to make a lot easier on himself. Too, that's that's fair. Which, it is. which then it comes down to, does he take the right shots? And now I think with those driving lanes there, you saw it, all of his baskets were at the rim against Vandy. And I, he only had yep. three, but I think that's where it starts for BJ. Go and assert your will at the rim, at the basket, in transition, make those high energy plays. Uh, he got a steal, you know, a couple of games. I think it was the last game he got the steal there yes, and made a play late in the half. Yeah. yeah. So use your defense, you know, to create opportunities for you. And then at some point, hopefully that jumper starts falling. I think the biggest impact, the person who's going to be impacted the most from the addition of Keon Brooks, whenever Keon Brooks is ready, I'm not saying today, mm-hmm. will be Olivier Sar. And the reason why is it's going to give them so much more room to operate at that five spot. Absolutely. It's going to open up the floor because what you add is you add another guy who can create facing the basket. 
who's good in face-up, and that's Keon Brooks. Uh, I think that that's going to be the benefit for Olivier Sars. It's going to create more space. You add Dante onto the floor with that, who can stretch the floor, and it you can't double. You can't double Olivier. Uh, but you saw Olivier Sars step out, and I think his mid-range game is the best part of his game right now. And I think that that's the exciting thing, that when you get a lineup with a healthy Keon Brooks who can kind of space the floor out with his skill set, not that Keon Brooks has been a knockdown shooter. It's just the the ability that he has offensively uh, to put the ball on the floor and make plays, and whether facing the basket or if it's back to the basket, I think that just adds a different element to this offense. And then I think another guy who will benefit from all this, uh, Jack, at some point, is Terrence Clark whenever he re- returns because then it creates those driving lanes for him. Uh, this is a big deal whenever Keon is healthy. And with Dante now added into the mix, it does change Kentucky offensively. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see kind of how all these pieces – come together I think that's going to be the biggest challenge for Cal right now but the one thing that Cal can't do in my opinion Jack is when Keon's healthy and Terrence Clark is healthy is you can't stop playing some of these other guys who have built some momentum over the last three weeks they've got to find a way not saying to platoon to platoon this isn't the team I don't think to platoon with I think Mm -hmm. it's going to be you identify who your guy is that night and whoever's hot you ride that hot hand that's what this staff has done really well with the last two games, and I hope that that continues. Yeah, and speaking of that hot hand, I thought Cal – I thought this was a a really interesting week for Dante Allen. Um, I mean, well, interesting to say the least. I mean, he kind of went from from end of bench guy to Kentucky legend in the span of one game. And then I thought this Vandy game was kind of exactly what we needed to see out of Dante. We got – all of the defensive breakdowns we had, I think, it, how many turnovers did he have? One or one or two? He had. He said one think, turnover in two games. I think it was just just one turnover. But we kind of yeah. got the the negatives that Cal has been talking about with Dante. But we also got all the positives: fourteen points, yeah. um, two of five from three, five rebounds. I, you know, I thought he he did a lot of of really really positive things. And then afterward. Cal mentioned in his post-game press conference, he said Dante broke down a ton defensively. He made baskets and free throws when we needed it, but he may have given up just as many baskets as he scored. He had he had some breakdowns. You know what? Like I told him, you need seven or eight. You had seven or eight breakdowns, nine maybe. Let's get it down to four and then keep making shots. Um, just keep making shots, kid. And I thought Dante yesterday spoke with the media and kind of asked, you know, do you do you think it's fair that you're getting that type of criticism? You know, you you save the day against Mississippi State. If Dante Allen doesn't play against Mississippi State, Kentucky does not win down in Starkville. And one could argue that if Dante doesn't play against Vandy, UK doesn't beat Vandy at home either. So I thought Dante's response was very – professional and I, I thought he had a fantastic press conference to, just from from top to bottom um but he said they asked you know what do you think of the those those complaints and those gripes from Calipari do you think that's fair and he said for sure he talked about things as far as game planning I knew I had to do all those things I just had some breakdowns I agree with the things he was saying um they asked you know is it fair that he's as hard on you as as he is you know, considering there's a bunch of people making mistakes and all that. And he said, um, I think he's hard on everybody. I don't think it's certain people. It's just he wants everybody to be great, so he's going to coach everybody accordingly in practice. He'll tell me little things like shoot the ball. Um, like he'll say I'm second-guessing into a shot fake into a, or 
into a pull-up, he'll just be like, shoot the first one because he feels like I'm open. And then <laughs> he had one hell of a quote. It was my favorite quote of the day from him. He's, they asked um, about his confidence as a shooter, and he said – uh, you know, they're like, was it just, was that just Dante being Dante? Was that just you being, you getting hot at the right time in Starkville? And, and he said, I mean, I'm a shooter. I can say I was hot, uh, but I've definitely had games like that in the past. Like shooting is what I do. <laughs> I thought that was such a cool quote from him just because like, this is a kid that two games ago wasn't even getting playing time. I mean, he was literally a, a, a coach's decision did not play and and he goes from that to having all the swagger and confidence in the world so I I am excited to see where things go with him after these last two games of momentum where Cal understandably so kind of highlights some of his his downfalls and and some of the mistakes he makes but still continues to say but he's just too darn valuable to, to to keep off the floor that's that's the thing is do your positives that way your negatives and I think with Dante you're, you're yeah that's that's the thing like when you're talking about the scoring and you know does he give up more than he adds to the team uh when you can shoot the three Jack you're kind of putting yourself ahead anyhow I mean three points to two points so I think that's the thing is when you look at Dante is can he just limit those mistakes enough like today can he maybe Go go down two or three mistakes on the yeah. defensive end, uh, and not every mistake is going to lead to a bucket. But the other night they they put Kentucky in some bad situations. Some of the mistakes that he made, and it was all game plan. I, I went back and watched the watched the tape, and whether he would go under or go over, or he didn't uh, chase off a ball screen or something like that. It's attention to detail, but it's those things that y'all. It also has to come with rhythm and playing a little bit more and getting a. Uh, a feel and getting comfortable doing those things in a game and staying locked in and engaged. There's a lot going on in a 40 minute basketball game at the collegiate level. It's a very, very broad uh, scouting report, regardless yeah. of whether you're playing Vanderbilt, playing Florida, or you're playing Duke. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of attention to detail. And I think that this will just be something that Dante kind of has to play through. Like if, if you're ever going to fix your defensive miscues, you got to be put in situations to where you have to make a decision. And I think that's the big thing is Cal's just got to keep playing him. Even if he makes a few mistakes, uh, you got to have patience. I think that's the word that Cal has said multiple times this season. He said it before the struggles. I've got to be more patient than I've ever been. And I think that that's not only with Dante. I think that's with a lot of guys on this roster. Yeah, yeah. And I thought we saw a lot of growth. It, it, he, there were a couple situations that he – um, he took on Scottie Pippen Jr. At, you know, midway through the second half, you know, clo- closer to the end of the game, and and you know he had some breakdowns, but you could you could there were there were a few little moments of defensive potential where you were like, okay, you can see where why Cal is complaining right now. You can see where these issues come from, but if he just does this, 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 and this, we can work with this. And like, yeah, that's what we said after after the game. On, on Tuesday night, we just said, look, Dante is who he is. He is going to come in, and he's going to knock down shots, and he's going to be an offensive spark plug. But if he can be just just even just average on the defensive end of the floor, he's, he's a difference maker on this team. I mean, and he was against Mississippi State. That's why he stayed on the floor. Uh, he was slightly oh. uh, slightly below average as a, as a defender against Vandy, but he made up for it on the offensive end. If, if, if there's just that consistent balance, that, that, that ebb and flow with his game, 
you know, with the with just the push and pull with the offense and defense. I mean, Dante will continue to get minutes, and, and I mean, Cal flat out said he has to be on the floor. We don't have an offensive presence like that, and just what he does elsewhere, like we like we mentioned with Keon's return, just the way the floor is going to be spread out moving forward. I mean, it's just too it's just too valuable. Cal has to keep playing him and keep working him through these these mistakes. Well, what was the thing about Kyle Wilcher back in the day? You know, what Couldn't was the defend. one thing? It was just the defensive end of the floor. But then you kind of had to have him on the floor because of his ability to shoot. So, but they're two totally different players. It's two totally right. different situations. But Kentucky also got to a point to where John Calipari had no option but to play Dante Allen. Yes. I mean, that's, that's what it came down to a week ago. And, you know, thankfully it worked out. I mean, that's that's the good news. It's sometimes, as a basketball coach, it's okay, it's okay to be wrong. Yeah. Most, not all the time now. Like sometimes when you're wrong, you lose games. But uh, this was one where Cal was was wrong, and Kentucky started winning basketball games. And I don't think Kentucky wins either one of those games if Dante Allen doesn't play. I just think yep. that we would have seen the same offensive issues. Uh, if things would have stalled down, I've, I've not liked the Isaiah Jackson, Olivier Saar combo since the first game of the season. I've just, mm. I've not been a fan of it. Uh, I just think that it clogs things up too much. And when you don't, when you don't have Dante on the floor, it clogs it up even more. So that's going to be something to watch as we go down this stretch run here, Jack, is what kind of tweaks does Cal make to certain lineups and certain looks that he goes with? Uh, right now you're kind of, he still has a bunch of puzzle pieces that he has no idea where they fit because you have no idea how Terrence Clark fits into this. You have no idea how Keon Brooks fits into this. And honestly, you don't know where B.J. Boston fits into this. Right. I think we're to the point with B.J. that let's say the next four games, B.J. keeps getting his opportunities. What happens if B.J. is still struggling four games from now and Terrence Clark is healthy? It's going to have to be his minutes that kind of goes away, right? And I think we started seeing that against Vandy. I'm telling you. I mean, we we got to see both at both end of game situations. BJ pulled from the lineup in favor of Dante Allen, and it worked out in both situations. But I remember vividly watching the 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 Vandy game, going, "Wow, these are some pretty prime minutes right now." Very very crucial point in the game that BJ's on the sideline and, and to his credit, he's on the sideline, he's clapping, he's cheering, he is doing his part to to still help out the team just in terms of, of momentum and, and being that cheerleader that Cal asked for on, on his sideline. But he's not on the floor. And and if if these struggles continue, he's gonna Cal will continue to play through BJ Boston and and do whatever it takes to get him to the level that we saw in high school. And, and it, it, you know, he, he might have to work through a bunch of more missed shots and it might be frustrating and, and it, it, you know, there are obvious issues there. But Cal's going to give him those opportunities through and through until he gets to the point where he has no choice but not but, but to not to. And, and like you said, that's going to be in these, these next couple games stretch where players start to get back healthy. Keon Brooks starts – his minutes start ramping back up. Terrence Clark returns back to the lineup. Something's got to give at some point. BJ, it's, it's, it's do or die right now for BJ. He has to start, start ramping things up, and he has to find some level of consistency right now against Florida – and in the in the next you know several several games or you know 
rotation's going to start eating him. I mean, it is. He's he's going to start falling down that, you know, slipping down the rotation, and and players are going to start beating him. And and it's it's you can't blame Cal for that. Uh, yeah, I think that you were spot on with what you said a moment ago about BJ and his minutes kind of going away against Vandy. There, what what has happened now is Kentucky and Cal has they've had to make a choice that is it worth sacrificing, you know, some wins to get BJ Boston going? And you're at a point now in the season where you can't do that anymore. You know, you can't play him uh, to hoping that he gets it figured out down the stretch. You've saw him sit in crunch time, which honestly is a loud statement. Uh, that honestly I didn't think that we would see, Jack. I thought that we were getting to a point to where they were just going to keep forcing it. Uh, But the hope is that B.J. Boston at some point is able to contribute and you can keep him on the floor in key situations. But right now you just can't down the stretch because his shot selection. Mm -hmm. I think it's more shot selection than is the fact that he's not making shots because you just don't know when he's going to take a bad shot, which is essentially a turnover. But – Credit to Cal and the staff. They've had to make tough decisions. And when you're in that profession, you're not ever not every decision is going to be accepted well. I mean, it's it's obviously they have a lot of weight on their shoulders to get BJ Boston going. I mean, he's a five star kid who came to Kentucky with hopes and dreams of being a lottery pick. And I know that that's weighing on Cal and this coaching staff as well. And they feel res- some responsibility, but they also got to feel responsibility to the other ten guys that are suiting up and playing. And right now, it's give that group, give this team a best chance to win. And that's what they're doing right now. And then hopefully at some point, BJ Boston is a part of that late in games and you don't have to worry about taking him out. Absolutely. We'll, we'll wrap up with the show here. Um, a little, just a little bit about Florida. Um, what, what we can expect from the Gators. Um, you know, they, they're currently five and two on the year, started SEC play uh, with back-to-back wins over Vandy and LSU, but just got beat pretty soundly by Alabama and Tuscaloosa. They lost 86 to 71. Um, obviously the biggest storyline is Florida star forward Keontae Johnson sitting out the remainder of, this, of the season. Um, he, he collapsed to the floor against Florida State earlier, you know, was in the hospital there for a, a week or two. Just very, very difficult situation, just one that, that kind of took the college basketball world by storm. I mean, it was just very, very tough scene altogether. Um, and, and then since then, sophomore guard Trey Mann has kind of taken over as the um, as, as the lead player, 14.6 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, 4.3 assists, 1.4 steals. Uh, and then sophomore guard Scotty Lewis, former UK recruit, um, right behind him averaging 12.3 points, 4.6 rebounds, 2.1 assists, 1.6 steals, and 1.6 blocks per game. Um, three players shooting over 42% from three. Um, three of the team's top four scorers are 42-plus percent shooters from deep. And if you would have, including Keontae Johnson, if he were still playing, that would be four four of their top five players being 40-plus point uh, uh percent shooters from from deep so very interesting Florida team not the juggernaut that we're used to seeing but still still one that has a lot of talent Sean how does Kentucky come out of Gainesville um in in miraculous fashion the same way we you know our last time our last big road trip down to to Gainesville kind of ended the uh 2019-20 season and and we're we're right back there in Starkville or in, in Gainesville, how does Kentucky come out of there with a victory? Uh, they got to sustain effort for 40 minutes. I think that's the biggest thing. And we've not yet seen, we've not got to see that from this team yet. They've had moments and stretches where 
you know, they'll get down nine or 10. I think it's important today at Florida that they don't dig a hole. I don't think you can dig the same hole that you did against Vanderbilt and that you did against Mississippi State and win the game. I think that's going to be the biggest thing is start fast, uh, find a way to sustain effort and energy, especially on the defensive end. Uh, this is going to be a Florida team who, I mean, they're looking for a big win. Like you said, they just got uh, beat by Alabama. Uh, this is an opportunity to to get back on track. And then Kentucky's kind of using this as an opportunity to continue winning and get a three-game winning streak and keep, you know, building some momentum down the stretch here in conference play. This is a huge week for Kentucky with Florida and then Alabama. Mm-hmm. When both of them, you're leading the league four games in. And you put yeah. yourself in a position to be able to win the league even after a one and six start to the season. Uh, so for Kentucky to get a win today, obviously uh, Florida's going to ball screen you a lot. They're going to do a lot of things. I mean, like you said, Keontae Johnson not being able to play just completely changes the whole outlook on this Florida team and this Florida season. Uh, had he been healthy, this would have been a much tougher matchup than what it is. Uh, like, you know, positive thoughts to him. I know that's got to be hard for not only him, but that team, Mike White and everybody there. But it's a big SEC game. Anytime these two teams get together, Jack, it's it's a huge game. And what we're running into this year now that now that Keon's back, but had he not played, who who on this roster has been to Florida and played against Florida? So that's the yeah. thing that you're running into every week now is there's nobody has any familiarity with with any of these SEC venues. Yeah, it's it's going to be a tough one indeed. Uh, Sean, we'll, we'll get out of here with this. We have another big decision coming up with you know our first. We haven't been able to talk really recruiting or anything like that since we kind of since you kind of took over as as a co-host because recruiting just kind of took took a you know it, it we just kind of hit a standstill. No real development with high school recruits, but we have a transfer decision coming up either today or tomorrow in Oscar Sheboy at West Virginia. He is, I believe, unofficially down to Kentucky, Miami. NC State and Illinois, I believe, are his final four. Uh, he he had Zoom calls with all four programs. Uh, talked to somebody close to the UK program um, leading up to the phone call uh, Friday night at 9 p.m. That happened. Um, things went as as you know. Every every time you talk about a, a visit and you know virtual visit or phone call, every, you know it's always things went really well. We'll see how it goes. Type type deal. Um, but. Sean Kentucky has the opportunity to add a six foot nine, two hundred sixty five pound, um, you know, transfer prospect this weekend that would be able to join the roster as a practice player for the rest of this season, and then uh, become immediately immediately eligible for the 2021-2022 season. So, Sean, I, you know, it would be a massive massive addition. I believe he was preseason Big Twelve Player of the Year going into this year, um, kind of seen as a top. 15 top 20 player in all of college basketball. I believe he came in a little bit out of shape, um, kind of complained about his development under Bob Huggins. Didn't, didn't really see that fit there long-term. And, and, and I think he just, he decided that he wanted to get out of there and kind of maximize his, his college eligibility while he can uh, in hopes of getting, getting to the league sooner rather than later. So Sean, uh, real quickly, what, what kind of addition would, would Oscar be? It'd be huge. I think if you if you get Shibway, then you obviously add him into that uh, core group of guys that we've talked about that could possibly come back next year. You know, I've, ident- I've identified those six guys the last couple of weeks. Oscar would make it seven. Mm-hmm. And then what you would essentially have is you would have a guy in your program who's been there for 10 years, who develops and knows the system. He's a, he'd add some experience. You would have another big body to go along with Lance Ware. I think it would be big. And I keep wondering, too, 
even though things didn't work out for him at West Virginia, if he ends up at Kentucky, did did Bob Huggins and his relationship with John Calipari have any influence in it at all? Yeah. Because, I mean, that that's another thing. We don't know that right now. You know, we don't exactly know what's going to happen with this. I know Miami has been the school that has been mentioned a lot as well, Jack. Uh, we were on our way to Mississippi State last week. That's when the news kind of broke that Oscar would be leaving the West Virginia program, and we both said to one another in the car, that's a phone call that John Calipari has to make mm-hmm. because it's a relationship that he had already built. It was a good spot. Uh, if he hadn't gone to West Virginia, he was going to Kentucky initially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he he flat out told me at the McDonald's All-American <laughs> game, I said, you know, what's your relationship like with, with Kentucky? He said, I love John Calipari. I love Kentucky. Uh, he he – when he was recruiting me, he said, I want, he's Calipari told me, I want to coach you. I can develop you. I can make you be the best player you can be. And I think those feelings are still there for, for Oscar. And, um, you know, without getting into a lot of the specifics, I think there are a lot of, um, a lot of pulling, pushing and pulling factors in his recruitment that, um, kind of make it not necessarily just his decision. It's a, it's a, um, it, it's a pretty pretty broad decision with a lot of voices, um, if if that makes sense. So I heard, and you issue. know, go for it. Sorry, go. Well, all I was gonna say real quick. I'm sorry, I broke, I interrupted you there. Uh, when this is what you're looking at this transfer portal thing. I mean, this is how it changes the game for you, uh, because here's Kentucky, you know, trying to fill out their recruiting class for next year, and essentially, if you get Oscar today. It's it's pretty much you're putting that into your recruiting class, but you're getting them on campus six months before you would the rest of the guys. That, that's how this portal and this new transfer rule going into place pretty soon. That, that's how it changes things. I mean, it just changes the it, it's it's a never ending cycle that you're going to go through now to where if guys aren't happy or it's not working out they're out the door and they're in another program within a couple of weeks mm-hmm. like that. That's the whole, it, it's going to create so much chaos, but I think it's kind of going to be fun chaos yeah. because you're just, you're never going to know what's happening. Rosters are usually developed, you know, once they're set for a season, that's it. Uh, you kind of really don't know what it's going to look like until the next, you know, cycle. But nowadays each name that goes in the portal, you can kind of speculate and kind of make attachments and, See, like, okay, who recruited him out of high school? Is is that still an option? It, it's definitely going to add a different element to the collegiate game, both not not only in basketball but football as well. Yeah, and, and going back to to this decision, um, Miami kind of emerged as the immediate, um, you know, immediate buzz school. People kind of thought as soon as he put his name in the portal that it was a done deal to Miami. I asked around to a couple of people on on his side and close to the UK program. They were like, I don't know where that Miami buzz is coming from. Yeah, they're a factor, but I, I, I wouldn't consider them the, the, you know, the easy runaway favorite lock by any means. So that kind of made me take a step back and kind of take a little bit of a closer look. Um, I've heard since then Kentucky's very, very much involved. Things went really well last night. Um, I, I, I reached out to a couple people late last night and asked, you know, if I'd heard some, some positive UK buzz and I asked, okay, you know, asked for some confirmation there. Um, and some other people said, you know, really this, th- there's just so many factors in that, that it'd be silly to even name a favor right now. It could go in any direction. Um, the exact quote I got from, from one person out of, out of couple said, um, this one is wild. Anyone who acts like they know doesn't know. So this is something that I, I've heard it could, the decision could come either today or tomorrow leaning towards Sunday. 
So we'll see. I mean, I, I'm not going to make any prediction about, you know, I've heard Kentucky's in a solid spot, but I'm not going to predict uh, predict him anywhere. I'm not going to predict him to Miami. It, it's I think there's just so many different variables and dif- different factors in play right now um, that, that I just wouldn't be comfortable listing any favorite because there, there's just so many different things at play right now. So, um, but yeah, I, I think it would be a massive, massive get for Kentucky. I mean, he's 6'8", 265 pounds, just that big bodied anchor down low that you could kind of, you know, he's super athletic and, you know, throw a ball, throw an alley up, alley oop up to him. And, and, you know, he, he's, he's just kind of a game changer in that, that aspect that he just runs the floor. Well, he'll die for loose balls. He can come up with a huge block, just a big, thick, bodied presence down low that that you know that Kentucky doesn't usually get this is not a type of player that Kentucky usually goes after but I mean shoot it'd be definitely one that I think Kentucky fans would would and should be excited about so um Sean yeah I, I, I this is one that I think Kentucky fans should be watching pretty closely he may or may not end up there but um I, I think it'd be it'd be pretty significant for the program if Cal Cal is able to to um, sign him on the dotted line it would be, and I'll, I'll say this too. He's he's not the last name that's going to go into the portal. Uh, and let's Good say point. Kentucky doesn't get Sheboy. It's not going to be the last guy that they look at in the portal over the next few months. I mean, that, that's the thing that you're getting. What what I was getting at a minute ago, Jack, is, I mean, you're, you're not only just having to look at high school prospects now. <laughs> you're kind of looking at the collegiate game now and who, who gets, you know, who feels like that the program they're at is not a good fit for them and goes in the portal a week and a half from now or who feels, you know, two months from now, like that's the, that's the kind of element to this that, you know, Kentucky, we saw a couple of mentions with some guys that they've kind of reached out to this week and stuff. So that's, uh, that's just the element that this transfer stuff adds to it and adds to the collegiate game. It, it makes things a little bit more messy. Uh, it's going to be a headache for a lot of coaches, but sometimes the transfer portal is going to be a good, good thing to you. Yeah. I think, you, I think you bring up a great point to end this. I mean, whether or not Oscar Oscar is there, Kentucky already has very likely Lance Ware coming back next year. We don't know about Keon Brooks. That's a possibility. Um, they already have Damian Collins signed. They have uh, Bryce Hopkins coming. There are a lot of front court pieces that UK already has in not signed done deal with with the returnees. But I mean, it'd be a massive shock if if you know if, if Lance Ware left the program. We don't know about Isaiah Jackson yet. Isaiah Jackson yet. Uh, just, you know, just go down the list. There aren't a whole lot of, of available spots right now. So if you're Cal, I mean, you got to be very picky, very selective. And if things didn't go well in the zoom meeting or something, there was some, uh, you know, something that Cal didn't like or whatever. This is not a make or break for Kentucky whatsoever. Either way, I mean, it, this is this it's is one not. of those this is one of those situations that you could be you know you'd be happy with if if Cal's able to land them. If not, you know, there there's going to be a a ton of other high level. You know, might not be a, another McDonald's All American preseason Big Twelve Player of the Year, but there there are going to be other fantastic pieces and potential additions to look at down the road. So definitely not something to panic over or stress way too much over, you know, for, for this simple decision. It, it, it'd just be a, a, a nice icing on the cake piece if, if Cal's able to seal the deal. And I'll say this as we wrap up, and this has, I have no insight onto this at all. I have no information, but in my gut, I don't know why I feel this way, but out of BJ Boston, Terrence Clark, Olivier Sar, Davion Mintz, and Isaiah Jackson. So, Mintz and Sar being seniors, you know, expected to kind of, you know, use all their eligibility 
not take an extra year. We brought up that scenario the other night. What if, you know, Mints or somebody decides to do that, which will be in play. I mean, that's something they're all going to have to look at and make a decision on their own. <clears throat> Obviously, B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark have dreams of getting to the NBA. Isaiah Jackson's going to have a tough decision to make. I don't know why I feel this way, Jack, but I feel like that one of one of those guys is going to come back for another year. Yeah. I mean, right now I would probably – I would say Isaiah Jackson just because I think that he's a guy that potential alone right now would get him picked. But it's one of those things. Does he think that he can develop his offensive game enough at Kentucky with another year, you know, to be back at Kentucky another season? Or does he decide to take advantage of a really good start to the season and kind of showing out on a team that wasn't very good the first seven games? But I don't know why I just have a gut feeling that there's going to be a surprise decision just where somebody comes back that we don't expect it. I think it's just such a weird year. Uh, the, the, some of the things that, you know, COVID's presented and some of the challenges and things, it just, I don't know why I just have a gut feeling that there's going to be that one guy that kind of just shocks us that we're not even looking at as being on this roster next season and they're there. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know who it is. I, just, I don't know why I just have that feeling. Well, think of, look at the football situation. UK gets guys like Darian Kennard and Luke Fortner back who they were not expecting in the slightest, and then they lose Jamin Davis to the NFL. So it could be a very similar situation. What if they lose, uh, you know, Isaiah Jackson goes off a of potential like Jamie, Jamie Davis just did in a weird year. You want to capitalize on that that potential. But you get a guy like Davion Mintz back. Or you get, I mean, shoot, I, I, I highly, highly, highly doubt this. And Olivier Sarr said this was a one-done situation. But what if Olivier says, eh, you know, let's 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 run it back next year. I don't know. There's there's just so many different opportunities. It's, it's such a weird year. People are making weird decisions. Uh, yeah, I, I I can see where where you're coming from with that. It'd be very helpful and and create a fun problem for Calipari to have to try to juggle, juggle all the pieces on this roster. I'll say this before we wrap up. Uh, I'm very confident that this is going to be a roster next year that has a lot of experience back. If it doesn't, something drastically went wrong. And then I would be concerned. But just given all the guys that we expect back with Lance Ware, Jacob Toppin, Keon Brooks, Dante Allen, Devin Askew, uh, the list goes on there. The guys that you can see a path for them to be significant leaders on next year's team. They're role players now, but you can kind of see them being – uh, the cream of the crop next year. And I think that that's been the thing that's been the benefit of the struggle is all these guys have had an opportunity to see that they have a place at Kentucky. They've also had an opportunity to get better. And you're getting to see that uh, Jacob Toppin has gotten better. Devin Askew getting better. All these guys, you can go down the list, Lance Ware, they're all getting better. And I think that's the biggest thing, Jack, is that you these kids just want to know that they can contribute and can help. And that's the big thing going into next year is uh, we should never assume at Kentucky because obviously every time we assume they lose 95% (laughs) of their roster, but it just feels like that Cal has targeted some different kids here. And I think that this is a group of kids that not only are they, are they solid basketball players, but I think they, they have the right mindset. And I think a lot of it starts at home. I think that there's a good group of parents that are leading these kids. Uh, You and I, Devin Askew, I know we have a really good relationship with his dad. And every time that we talk to him, it's been a grounded conversation. Yeah. And we know that that's been the same message that has been preached to Devin the entire time is, look, stuff's going to get hard, mm-hmm. but you're going to have to be the one that figures it out because you're the one that's in control of this thing. When you attack it that way, you don't set them up for failure when they get to a place like Kentucky and things don't go their way. I think that you've got a group of parents, Keon Brooks' dad, I also include him in that last year. 
uh, when his AAU coach put all that stuff out after the Arkansas game, what did Keon's dad come out and do? He come out and praised John Calipari for the way he took up for the guys and got tossed at Arkansas. That's what you want to see. And I just think that that's the difference with this group of guys is they've got some people, they got the right people in their ear, Jack. Mm. And I think that they came into Kentucky with realistic expectations of themselves and where and where their development goes. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that's a fantastic way to end this show. Um, just very, very fun after things were so down there for, for so long. It feels good to have, you know, some, some positive momentum, things to build off of going into the third game of the S- of SEC play. Um, plenty to look forward to. Going to be a big one down in Gainesville. Uh, we're we're going to be back, obviously, afterward for another postgame show. I, I haven't decided if we want to do l- late tonight or early Sunday morning. We'll, we'll, Sean and I will talk that through, but I promise you, you will have a postgame show on your feeds at some point this weekend to break all of this down. Uh, until then, Sean, where can fans find your work? Uh, you can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Please do, because Twitter is obviously doing some type of purge, Jack, and uh, <laughs> lost quite a few followers in the last 24 hours with counts getting suspended and deleted. So, uh, yeah, you can follow me at GBB Country. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email at JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. Fun day. We're excited to be back. It's going to be a good one. We will see you. Then.